Hello and welcome to another episode of Chasing Excellence. My name is Patrick Cummings and as always here with Ben Bergeron. Every week on, I just said your name very funny, I don't know why I said that. Every week here on the show, we dedicate some time to exploring how we can live a life of better health and increased fulfillment. We answer your questions about the five factors of health, dive deep on living a life of excellence, and explore the strategies and frameworks to help chase, to help us chase what truly matters. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. How you doing, Ben? I'm doing great. That was good with the little flub. Now they know that that's a now real, that's real. That's a real live recording. That's not just like something that's plugged in. Um, I want to start with just a quick shout out. I, I came to the gym today. Uh, with, uh, to find a package. And I realized that we actually, we, we've got two books that listeners have written and send us, sent us. And so I just want to give a quick shout out to both of them and a thank you for sending them along. The first is called A Champion's Life by Louis Andrade, A-N-D-R-A-D-E. It is in Spanish. And so I don't know what it's, what it's about, but the subtitle <laughs> is 40 Sports Stories to Develop a Success Mindset. And then the second book, which we just got by Nicholas Bunny, B-U-N-N-E-Y, it's called A-B-C-D. And it's, uh, the subtitle is Finding Awareness through, uh, sorry, finding happiness through awareness, values, principles, and actions. Oh my God. Both are great, great looking books. And so I look forward to, to, well, I look forward to learning Spanish so that I can read Lewis's. And if high school, uh, Spanish is any indication, it'll take me about 400 years to, to get proficiency. (laughs) Did you take any languages as, as a a youngster? And I, I, I went the next step into incompetency, which is actually, (laughs) I lived in France for two years during high school. Did you really? Still don't speak French. Wow. That's how next level. How did I not know that? How, did I, how do I not know French? <laughs> yeah, well, that's a whole other question. Yes. I can't help you there. Yeah. But I'm surprised I didn't know you lived in France for yes. two years. I lived in J'habite Paris. That's the only well, words I no, know. There's no skiing there. so how, There how, is. Oh, French Alps. Oh, I guess that's Incredible. Yeah, the best okay. skiing in the world. All right. So what do I know? I know apparently, I know nothing because I didn't know you did that. All right. It's like you don't even know me. No, seriously. Uh, we've got a wonderful show full of listener questions. We've got um, questions about training for a marathon while CrossFitting, getting past social anxiety at the gym, sleeping in, and more. Our workout is going to be a conversation. Another listener question about how to develop the skill of adaptability. And we uh, are going to kick off a new 30-day challenge at the end mm. of this episode. Exciting. We are going to start with our warm-up as we always do. Your questions about the five factors of health, those few fundamental behaviors that most positively affect our performance, vitality, and longevity. Those five factors are how we eat, how we move, how we think, connect, and how we recover. Ready to rock? Let's do it. All right. This first question is in the move category, and it is from Jen. She asks, I'm a 51-year-old. Uh, I'm a 51-year-old, and I've been CrossFitting for 10 years. Prior to finding CrossFit, I was strictly a runner. I ran a marathon every year for 13 years. Once I started CrossFit, I stopped running long distance. My current routine is CrossFit Monday through Friday, rest on Saturday, and run three miles on Sundays. My 21-year-old son recently had be- uh, has become passionate about running and joined a running club in New York where he goes to school. He asked me if, uh, if I would run the Brooklyn Half Marathon with him at the end of April. I'm ecstatic and signed up. Uh, signed us both up immediately. I don't know where to start with the training, replacing. A, uh, replace a day or two w- uh, of CrossFit with running or something else. Okay. Um, so half marathon is 13.1 uh, miles. Mm-hmm. Um, she does, first of all, I love the protocol. She does CrossFit five days a week, runs uh, three One miles rest day and, and currently it. runs three miles on the weekend, takes the other day off. Terrific. The next thing I would want to know is what's the goal for the marathon? Mm-hmm. Is it to... Um, stay with her son who's looking to do this in two hours. Is she looking to um, get back to her PR times? Is she? Is it a um, compete to complete mm-hmm. or is it a compete to compete? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to, uh, I don't know if I'm going to answer both of them or not. So here's, <laughs> I just need to, I, I, to give a really specific answer. That's what we need to know. Because I'll give both. Because if it's just like, hey, I want to do this thing. I want to feel good afterwards. I want to be with my son who's just getting into this. Doing, I want to be his um, training buddy and his his race buddy. Then it's fairly simple. You're just going to turn those three miles into every single – it's going to be no different than she's done for the other 13 years. Mm-hmm. Marathon training programs are almost all follow the same blanket template, which is – on the weekends, you do a long run. That long run increases in distance from one to two miles over the course of whatever the train duration of the program mm-hmm. is, six to 12 weeks. So if she's starting off at three, the next suggestion I would do is like the next um, week, she tries to do five. 
The next week after that, she's going to try and do six or seven. The next week after that, uh, seven or eight, nine, up until about 10. You don't need to run much more than 10 for a half marathon. If it was an actual marathon, we capped that about 16 to 18. Mm-hmm. Actual marathon, you want to get about three runs above 16. Um, but for her, that's the goal. Can you just r- slowly ramp up on those Sunday runs to get up to a 10 miler? If your goal is to complete this thing. Yep. If you're getting beat up a little bit from those long runs, take that Monday off of the gym. And then you're now down to four days a week with a day off um, before and after your long runs. Got it. That's the protocol. Now, if you want to try to get in under, you know, um, uh, an hour and a half, that's a very different, that's a different ball game. Mm-hmm. In that case, it's going to, um, sim- sim- similar thing on the weekends, but you're definitely going to peel back from a, uh, a CrossFit day, add an extra running day in there. And that running day will probably almost always be like a five miler. Mm-hmm. And people are like, whoa, 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 what about all the intervals? What about all the quality training? The CrossFit part will take care of that because you can build up so much of the the faster twitch um, and the speed stuff. So um, you're going to add a five miler, whatever day you want that feels really good. And then just kind of allow the other day to go five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10. Have you found that with runners or for, kind of former runners into CrossFit, do they – do they have an advantage when they pick running 100%. back up? One hundred percent. Whatever, even if it's yes. like the endurance stays with yeah. you for a long time. Yeah. So it's, she might find that like within a couple of weeks, she's like, okay, I got my sea legs back. Yeah. And uh, did she say how long ago she was a runner? She said she did thirteen in a year, uh, years thirteen in a row. years in a row. But how but long? No, didn't say. Doesn't okay. say like so. How like long for an ago. example, like yeah. if she was running thirteen marathons, she said she's been crossfitting for ten years. So oh, maybe it's been ten years since. So then? Maybe it's been ten years since she's been like a legit. There will. Runner be some um, uh, legacy to that endurance, but 10 years uh, um, is probably where it will de- there's going to be uh, pretty good de- degradation from where she was. To put just a, a different perspective that, um, when I was doing Ironman triathlons um, and I stepped away and didn't do them for two years, I could actually go out and just... Um, do a marathon with like two runs before it because mm-hmm. it was just you built up so much endurance yeah. on that side not at the same pace but your capacities stay yeah. it's just a, it's a Got it. um it's kind of like another way to think about this is strength takes years to build but it's lost fairly quickly yeah. yep. whereas endurance um can be built up fairly quickly in weeks um but it, it, it there's a much longer tail to it it doesn't go away as fast all right, next. Isn't that's qu- so nice. Don't you wish everything was like that? Yes. <laughs> uh, next question is from Michael. It's in our think category. I'm diagnosed with ADHD and I've been trying to get on top of my alcohol addiction for over 10 years now. I'm a Good keen, job, Michael. Yeah, I'm a keen rock climber and sailor, but I've uh, been more recently trying to join CrossFit and calisthenics training circles at local gyms. Mm-hmm. One barrier I face is the social anxiety I have when in group training. On one hand, I know that group training is quite possibly the best option as my self-motivation lacks when training uh, uh, by myself at home. On the other hand, being in a group where I feel quite socially uncomfortable to the point of not wanting to go is yeah. a deterrent. I'm hoping to find some tools to help change this mindset, ease the anxiety, uh, and allow myself mental freedom to stick with the training. Um, there's some. I have some parallels with Michael. Mm. Um, <clears throat> never struggled with alcohol addiction, but um, um, I grew up sailing, competitive sailing as well. And had levels of um, social anxiety, um, not related to um, social gatherings, but I had it in an academic setting. Mm. And I'm going to, this is going to be, it's going to sound like, why are we talking about this? But uh, I, I think it's poignant. Um, when I was in college, uh, people listening know that I have um, have dyslexia and mm-hmm. um it was worse when I was younger. I feel like it's gotten a lot better, which is a weird thing that like, you know, it's like, I don't, when you have it, feel, people feel like you you have it, you have it, you have it, but it, it's definitely got a lot better. Um, but when I was in college, I was in a philosophy class and the, I can't remember, it was, it was philosophy or religion. I can't remember because it was very similar, but it doesn't matter. Um, and the way this professor ran class was, was kind of, strange and I look back on it, but also kind of cool is the way the class was set up. We were just, 
um, person by person take turns reading a page from scripture or the Bible or whatever it might've been. And um, after a certain time, he'd pause the group and we'd talk about it. But I was so terrified, the anxiety of the thought of having to read in front of people that much like Michael, um, it would freeze me to the point where I skipped like Mm. the vast majority of those classes and um, uh, it, it like it was it was a real thing for me, yeah. right? Okay, so if I was to go back and talk to my former self and give myself their advice, how would I deal with that? It's not the thing I. What comes to me is not the thing that would have ever come to me at that point, which is, I would suggest that younger Ben goes up to the professor and be vulnerable with that professor of what you're struggling with mm-hmm. and share it with them and let them know, um, I'm here's what I'm dealing with. I have um, dyslexia. I'm petrified of reading out loud in public. Um, and it's causing me not to want to come to this class. And then together try to figure out what the appropriate solution is. Mm-hmm. That's the way, I because I, I, I wouldn't have had the answer. I think the the idea is to come up with tools, right? Yeah. Do some breathing techniques before you go there. Yeah. Learn to, um, um, you know, reframe things like all these mental tools. And to me, those are all um, valuable. But nothing would move the needle as much as having uh, <coughs> another person, an ally. In, exactly right, and not only an ally the person that is determining the way the class is being structured and how, and maybe he goes, okay, why don't you in this class sit over here and I'll make sure that like, we don't get to that part. Cool. Or maybe he goes like, you know what kid, that's your problem. You have to deal with it. It's like, cool. I'm dropping this class. (laughs) Like you just know ahead of time. And so my suggestion to Michael is be vulnerable. This is the hardest part, but you only have to do it once. Mm-hmm. Instead of having to fight this battle every single time you want to go to the class, because I do agree with him, for somebody that struggles with accountability, there's nothing better than getting an environment of other people that are doing those hard things. But go up to the coach and let them know what you're struggling with. Mm-hmm. Let them know about your ADHD. Let them know about your struggles with alcohol and let them know that you have social anxiety disorder, whatever it might be, and ask them for their input and suggestion. Mm-hmm. Maybe they go like, oh my gosh, like we've had six other people like that. One of them is Mark, who's in your class. Mm-hmm. Let me just introduce you to Mark. I won't say anything about this, but it might be a connection that the two of you guys have, yeah. even if it's subconsciously, you guys know, right? Or he goes, hey, you know what? For the first week, just stay in the back of the class. Don't worry about interacting. I'll make sure I don't call your name out loud. At the end of class, if you want to skedaddle out of here, don't worry about it. Just like you being here is the win. But at least then you have an ally on your side helping work through this challenging situation instead of you on an island in your car doing breath work techniques so you're brave enough to right. take the or, 50 or steps. Or hoping you door. find the next tactic, the exactly. next, yeah. yeah. Or, or grin and bear it and, yeah. and pretend it's not. It makes me think of something I heard recently, which is this this concept, and I don't want to put words in what you're saying in terms of how you're experiencing, but it, um, this concept of like shame thrives in the shadows. Lots. And until you shine a light on it, you it will always continue to thrive and grow and metastasize. And so I thought, yeah. I think about that as what, what you're suggesting, which I, and to be like, I was exactly the same person to be able to have had just the moment, right? What is that, that thing? Like you just need like two seconds of bravery yeah. to have just had the two seconds of bravery to shine a light on the thing would have made to your point would have created an ally, but also would have probably helped reduce some of the shame. If you name it, yeah. it's not as scary anymore because right. you can look at it and you can say, well, what is this thing? Or why is it? Or, or Yeah, I've heard the same analogy and I love that. I'm glad we're talking about this um, in terms of your fears, right? Mm-hmm. So you can call it shame, you call it fears, but like your fear is a monster and we're afraid of monsters. And if you don't talk about the monster in the closet and you don't know what that monster looks like and you don't even, your imagination kind of grows and mm-hmm. it grows and it becomes scarier and scarier. But if you were to op- swing the door open and shine that spotlight on it and go, oh, you're a gorilla mm-hmm. and your gorilla, your name is George. Now all <laughs> of a sudden you have this relationship with it. Yep. And from there you can't, now you can work with it. Yep. 
Before that, it's like, this thing isn't real. And obviously Michael's far enough along in the journey that he's writing into us talking about um, alcohol issues, ADHD, social ease, like a whole lot farther along than I was um, when, when I struggled with this. Yep. Yep. I remember in, in those situations, I would spend the entire time basically counting how many people before I had to do the thing that everybody was doing right in that. And oh, yeah. which is, um, which is just as bad as not showing up because effectively I wasn't listening. So I would, I would, I would not listen to anything going on, waiting, waiting for my turn. And then I would go and then I would just story tell about how, what I just did. And so I was, you know, I was in the room, but I was not you in know when the that room. that shows up is like, let's go around the room and introduce yourselves <laughs> yeah. and tell us something that no one else in the room knows about yeah. you. Yep. Instead of listening to everyone else, you're like, oh, yeah, what am I going to say? What am I going to say? And then, oh my gosh, I hope I'm going to throw anything. What, like, and they, it come back and right after you go, you're like, why did I say that? I shouldn't have said that. It's like, a, Totally. Yep. All right, Michael, we wish you nothing but the best. Keep it at, yeah, keep at Michael. it. Uh, next question is from Heldith. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, Heldith. It's in our eat category. I usually have a good breakfast, uh, overnight oats with protein powder and some berries. Then after my workout, I also have some protein powder. Then before bed, I also have some protein powder. Mm-hmm. Even though I count my calories and macros, I'm wondering if it would be better to minimize protein powders to maybe once a day uh, and then change that for real food. Any health or performance benefits or even negative effects on hitting 40 for, to 50% of my protein protein uh, macros from whey protein powders. Okay. How much protein powder is too much? Dun, dun, dun. It depends, mm-hmm. right? So if it's protein, which held this, uh, first off, let's back up for a second. Um, good on you. This is mm-hmm. good. Like we, a really easy place to start for a lot of people is let's get rid of the processed crap mm-hmm. and let's see if we can get somewhere between 90 and 150 grams of protein in a day. Yep. Like, like how simple is that? Right? Like no crap, make sure you're getting the protein. Like I love that as starting point. So getting the protein, make, making it easy to actually hit those targets. Completely. So like, are. At, you know, I know that like we talked to EC. So first off, like if you went back and this question probably came in before we had EC on and before we had Chris Cresser on, but like those two episodes are basically this question combined. (laughs) So it's like about quality, it's about protein and that's about nutrient density and all that stuff. But here's a really simple way. If you don't have the processed stuff and you're having that um, basically three scoops of protein powder a day, if you're a very small athlete, that's 90 grams, right? Most protein powders have about 25 to 30 grams of protein. If you have, if you're a really small person, like 125, 130 pounds, that's probably pretty close. If you're a bigger person, 180 pounds, we probably want closer to 150. That just think of it: three meals, no snacking, 30 to 50 grams of protein at a meal. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I really have a harder time coming up with something like simpler than that. It's so satisfying to have that much protein. You're going to get all the growth. So, I digress, but I like that framework of healthy eating. Just like. Three meals a day, no snacks, no seconds, no desserts, no crap food, whole foods, and the protein. Now, okay, how do we level that up? Well, yes, there's more nutrient. You'll get more benefit out of uh, a piece of uh, wild-caught salmon than you would from really clean protein powder. It just does not have the nutrient density that something else would. But... Other foods might have higher caloric density than the protein powder, so that might be not as advantageous. Another thing to consider, if you're hungry between meals, I would suggest not doing the protein shake, but doing something other than that because liquid just gets digested so much faster. Think of it in terms of surface area, right? It doesn't have to do much work. It's just like it's broken these tiny little particles so fast and digest them just from a surface area perspective. Okay. Um, there's a lot, so there's a few different things to consider. My overall suggestion is if we could start with no processed foods, 30, 50 grams of protein from whole foods, that's where we start. Mm -hmm. Now that's not the case for everybody. So a lot of people need to go to protein powder and that's the place for it. So to Heldith's, Heldith's direct answer is yes, you will get more health benefits from the whole food sources than you would from protein powder. But if you're going to go away from protein powder and find yourself creeping towards processed foods, then we're not steering in the right direction. The only other thing I'll kind of add to this is when people have protein powder, Mm -hmm. they usually mix it with water Mm -hmm. and she's probably getting five 
close to five shaker bottles full of water a day, which is awesome. Like lots of hydration there. If you find yourself going to zero of those, you're going to real food, but you also find yourself having zero water, Mm -hmm. that might not be a benefit as well. So it's not just a binary yes or no. It's a, when you do this, what happens to the other factors? Mm -hmm. If the other factors are all still trending positive, you're, you know, we just named them all. I don't need to rename them. Um, Then yes, I would go more towards a whole food source because there is more health and um, other benefits from whole food sources than rich from supplementation. Got it. Next question is from Jules in our recover category. Ben frequently mentions sleeping in as something bad. However, many people seem to be sleeping too little while it is probably the, uh, the key recovery element. Should we cap sleep then when or why is sleeping in bad? I try to get eight to nine hours of sleep every night, but if I have a week where with seven, I like to recover with two nights of some more sleep. Okay. Um, Why are you demonizing sleeping in, Ben? Uh, Well, because Jules is asking. She doesn't realize it. I think it's boy or girl. Uh, That is a great question. Yeah. We'll go with female. Uh, I don't know. um, She's... I, my, my, my mind just went all the way to Pulp Fiction because there's a male jewels in Pulp Fiction. It's like, <laughs> we just lost you for oh a second. Oh my God. I, I was gone. I, I went far deep too. I was like, there's a band aid on the back of his neck. You don't see his face. There's the gold thing. Is that really his soul? Like, I went really deep. Yeah, that was- Pulp Fiction's a cool movie. Yes, violent, <laughs> lots of swears, but it's a cool movie. Okay. Um, Forrest Gump got best picture that year. I think it should have been Pulp Fiction. Okay. <laughs> We can edit all that out. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm really lost my track. What was the question? Oh, sleep. Sleeping. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. Okay. Uh, she's asking actually two questions. Mm-hmm. She's asking a question for herself and she's asking a question for everybody else. Because she says, most people don't sleep enough. But so she's saying- But she does sleep enough. It's a different answer for Jules than it is for somebody else. That's she, the big thing. She's defending everybody else. Yeah. She, so she's trying to lump herself into the people that don't sleep enough. Shouldn't we be getting more sleep on the weekends? <clears throat> okay. So for Jules, who sleeps eight to nine hours a night, one night might get down as low as seven. Should we be sleeping in longer on the weekends to make up for that? Sleeping in more than eight or nine? No, mm. you should not. Because then theoretically, she's at like nine or 10. And on here's, the, here's the downside of that. The, the, the newest kind of like, if, if you've been listening here a little bit, the more you, the, the newest thing that we've been talking about more and more. So there's sleep quantity, right? Which everyone knows seven to nine hours. We got that part. Okay. One sort of like caveat to that is that's not from lights on lights out to lights on that's sleep. And most of the time that you're, you're, you're in bed for an hour longer than you are actually sleeping. So add an hour to that. And then we want seven to nine of actual sleep time. So lights out to lights on should be eight to 10. Okay, that's not the question. We're cool with that one. The next one we talk about a lot is sleep hygiene, right? And that's like have a cool bedroom, make sure that um, it's completely dark. Let's not avoid screens beforehand. Let's have a, a warm shower before. Let's make sure we're doing some sort of wind down like reading or something like that. So there's the sleep um, hygiene aspect of that, the, the quality. Yep. But then there's the third one, which is consistency. And yep. the way I like it, it's just QQC, right? Quality, quantity, and consistency. At, if people have been listening, the consistency thing is getting popping up more and more and more. And there is some research to show that this one is as, and sometimes more important than the other two. Mm. Every single cell on your body has sensors on it trying desperately to figure out what time of day it is. That sounds weird, but your body is set up so that it does a, uh, it's going through like a a hormone release on on a clock. It needs to know when to do its cortisol. It needs to know when to do its adenosine. It needs to know when to do a whole host of things right down to digestion and other things. And the only way it can figure, I should say, the most effective way it does that is when you go to sleep and when you wake up. Mm -hmm. It goes, okay, now it's morning time. Now it's nighttime. If you change that, so I'm going to give two examples to kind of show that. 
If you change that, things get messed up. Daylight savings. Mm -hmm. Everyone changes their, not everyone. Most people change their sleep by one hour. Doesn't seem like that big of a deal. One hour. Over heart attacks. The next day, when we lose an hour of sleep, go up by over 20%. Mm. From one hour of, that's not quality, that's not hygiene, that's consistency. Now, I actually say that actually is, it is a quantity Quantity, thing as well, but it's also like you're messing up the time. Okay, the next um, day when we get an extra hour of sleep, I'm realizing now that I'm talking about the quality thing, but, Mm -hmm. but stay with me. Um, we heart attacks when we get an extra hour of sleep, heart attacks go down by 20%. Okay. If you just delay your sleep, we're going to get the same amount of sleep. So we're still going to sleep eight hours, but I'm going to go to bed two hours later. So instead of going to bed at 10 and getting up at six, I'm going to go to bed at midnight and get up at eight. That simple two hour change, you miss the biggest opportunity for a hormone in your body called HGH, human growth hormone, Mm -hmm. which keeps you young and keeps you strong. Pretty good for our audience. You miss the major release of that. It still has a drip, drip, drip later on, but there is a um, a, um, asymmetrically large um, dump early on. Mm -hmm. You don't, this is the weird thing, you don't just get that two hours later. You literally, if you go to bed two hours later, you literally skip it. Mm. You skip the dump. Your body knows not when you go to sleep. It goes based off of the time that we go to sleep. This is when we do this. Up, mm-hmm. oh, you're still awake. Pause. Okay, now you're asleep now at midnight. We're going to do the midnight thing. Mm-hmm. And the midnight thing is not the big dump, 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 mm-hmm. which we want. The sleep thing is the 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 amount of time is really really important for regulation. Even if you go like, no, like, uh, um, I, I'm going to sleep in an extra two hours and I can still go to bed at the same time. It's not even a matter of the, uh, how tired you are. You want to, one of the best things you can do for sleep, one of the, I'll say it again, one of the best things you can do is wake up and fall asleep within a half hour of the, uh, of the same time every single night. Yeah. Yep. Now, is there an exception to that? I will say yes to her extreme, which is I don't sleep enough. I sleep four hours a night, which is not enough. You need seven. Um, On the weekends, I have the opportunity to get an extra, um, to sleep nine hours. Should I do that? My suggestion there would be yes. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily like um, uh, um, a bank, like you take uh, deposits and credits and it's like one for one. I miss an hour here. I'll make up an hour here. But it's... uh, you can earn a little bit of that back. Mm-hmm. I'm flashing back to episodes in <laughs> in years past when I, my young, my oldest son now was not a good sleeper, and so I had like the three years of this podcast. Every time we talked about sleep, like I would, I'd be like, I want that. I need more of that. And it would, <laughs> thankfully, we're we're kind of out of that phase. But anytime yeah, so we talk about sleep, now, yourself now yeah. going like, oh, I so this is, um, this is poignant for for <laughs> the audience. Is I've I've talked so much about um, how important we both have about routines and routines is a big part of what we believe in here uh for the better part of my adult life I've been getting somewhere close to seven hours of sleep mm-hmm. probably plus or minus a half hour sometimes it's 645 sometimes it's 715 but that was my norm during the week. Over the last, I'll say, four months-ish, I've, the morning routine that I've talked, that I've been yep. so proud of with sauna and yoga and journaling and breath work, I've actually foregone that and I'm now getting over eight hours of sleep, sleep, sleep not mm-hmm. bedtime. Yep. I'm getting over, I'm getting eight to eight and a half hours of sleep every night. Remember, we talk about this all, everything has a trade-off. Mm-hmm. You can't have it all. So you got to figure out where those things are. And I think that for where I was in my career and my life and trying to establish who I was on both career, family was new, um, all of those things, it was appropriate probably mm-hmm. for me to create that level of, because it allowed me a lot of awareness and self-introspection and creating the space, the and, space yeah. and all that stuff. 
Um, right now, I also believe that this is a really, I'm not nearly as tired come three o'clock mm. as I used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't woken up with an alarm clock. Yep. This is kind of crazy. I haven't woken up with an alarm clock in months. Mm-hmm. I don't even set it anymore. I wake up at 5.45 to 6 o'clock every single day with an alarm clock. Yep. And that's been burned in for a while though, right? Because haven't you been taking that? No, uh, I was getting up a lot earlier. Wait, that's that. true. Yep. Okay. I was getting up at like between <clears throat> five. I was usually getting up around 5.15, 5.25, somewhere yeah. around. I was getting up a half hour earlier and also going to bed. We didn't have a good night rhythm either, but we've gotten a lot, lot better at that is like kids lights out 8.15. Yep. Got it. All right. Let's move on to our connect uh, bucket. Don't have a name for this one, but a coworker who has uh, has uh, who has the exact same position as me, and with whom I work most often, is a gossip, a busybody, and a complainer. He constantly wants to call and message me and others within my company, uh, within the company, with long, repetitive complaints about our company and our customers, without ever proposing a solution or acknowledging that many of these situations are outside of our control. He also loves to be the person who is in everybody's business, spreading the hot gossip, name dropping people within the industry. At this point, many of my coworkers refuse to even accept his calls, but I don't have that luxury since I work with them on the daily. I don't need this kind of energy in my life. How can I communicate with him politely, but firmly that, th- uh, that this can't continue? Okay. This is a, uh, it's a, <clears throat> I feel like this is a fairly common question that we, uh, shades of this in different forms and fashion. Um, you know, it's my husband doesn't chase excellence. I do. It's that's a, um, the first one is recognizing that it's not an overnight fix. No one singular conversation is going to change the thing. And essentially what you're doing is what the per, what the listener is asking is how do I change a culture? Now it's a culture of two, oh, yeah. right? You and this other <laughs> of person. Interpersonal culture. Exactly. But that's how do you change culture? Yep. Well, culture, that's hard. That's a real hard thing. That's why the easiest thing to do whenever you have the opportunity is to f- flip over the, the poker table, whatever you want to do and like start from scratch. Like, it's when we do, when we can do a, like a roll up of a CrossFit gym, we don't want the old culture. So we come in and we do some, the whole staff is gone. Unfortunately, they can, mm-hmm. they can earn a position. They can go through the hiring process, come back in, but we don't want the old regime. Put some paint and some lipstick on it. We want it to look and feel different because we don't want the old yep, vibe. We want it yeah. to, f- so You could do that in this situation, but it's probably not going to come off what they said in the last part of it, which is like in a polite way or whatever it might be. Um, right? Yeah. Uh, just how do I communicate it with politely? Yeah. Yep. So but firm, I think it's going to be- Politely, hard, but firmly. Politely, but firmly. Okay. So that's going to be hard to do in that situation. So how do you do this <clears throat> um, in a polite way, which is basically like I've had to do several times at the gym where all of a sudden that if you're not, you know, if you're not tending to the garden every single day, weeds are going to start to grow. So what you need to do is you need to go in there and start weeding, not removing people, just like cleaning stuff up and paying attention. And when you're doing this with a singular person, to me, it would start, it starts with just, uh, politely, um, but just dropping things in and recognizing again, it's not gonna happen overnight. This is not going to change, but what we want to do is like, just keep dropping it. So, um, the person continually complains about other people and the listener was, is there a name on this one? No, 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 no name. This one. Uh, they, they're answering it in their question with, they said they complain without proposing, yeah. offering exactly. any solution. Yep. So that's what you're going to ask the person. So when they complain about something, you go, um, that's really interesting. What do you think we should do about this? And if they complain, you, it's not being, um, I, okay, understood. What do you think we should do about this? And then just kind of keep coming back. Like if they go, um, holy crap, <laughs> I can't have this. We were at our kid's soccer game. People just like to complain. Mm-hmm. We're at a kid's soccer game the other day and it's it was really cold. Um, and they had us move from one sideline to the other. So now we're facing the sun, which is like, uh, like thank God, right? Mm-hmm. And they go, oh, this is great. Now I'm going to get wrinkles. It's like, <laughs> like, 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 we'll look for anything to complain about, right? A mom actually said that. Yeah. I was like, wow. Like, so there are people that like want to complain about that. Uh, so, but I would constantly go like about um, what, 
let's go with a solution oriented mindset. Now you don't have to go to the person and go like, Hey Bob, you're complaining. Do you, let's bring a solution oriented mindset to these conversations. It's not that at all. But if someone goes like, I can't believe it's freaking raining again, you go, um, it is. Do you have any solution for the rain? Mm. And they'll be like, what? It's like, <laughs> well, you're saying you're complaining about the raining. Is there something that you want to do about it? And they'd be like, no, there's nothing that's going to be, it just sucks that it's raining. Like, oh, but there's nothing you can do about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and just like, a not like yeah. without being rude, without being coy, without being annoying, without being overly sarcastic, you have nothing else to lose in this situation anyway, other than let's bring to light. We need, and it, if this is a business situation, it's actually easier than a friend situation because mm-hmm. <clears throat> you go, um, they're complaining about their the um, their business partners, their coworkers. Like Sally isn't pulling her weight. She's not doing any of the work on this project. You go, um, that's super interesting, Bob. What do you think we should do about it? Like he's got to, Bob's got to flip into like solving mode at that point. Mm-hmm. If Bob doesn't, you just got to pull back into, we're here to solve problems. We're here to solve problems. That's how we move this thing forward. It's, not easy at all. Does it take some level of tact? Will it take some level of practice to find the effective way to do it? Absolutely. This is the way we do it at our gym though, is we try to nip it every single time it shows up. Mm-hmm. It's the reason we have never whine, never complain bracelets because we're trying to make it a part of the ecosystem what we have here. And when people complain, we in real time try to pull it out of, and make them understand it. Um, we... Uh, um, I can't believe we have to do this workout today. Mm-hmm. You mean we get to do this workout today? It's like, you just like in real time, reframe things. And if he goes like, oh my gosh, like this person is just, oh, you're going to be the the sunshine police. You're going to be the person that makes it. And they get frustrated complaining to you. Solved. Solved. Exactly right. Yeah. Because yeah. you don't have to change them. You just have to change some of their behavior. Yes. And if I, I was, I always think, <clears throat> gossip and complaining, it, it feeds itself. And so what that person is really looking for is somebody to give it back to them because yes. then they feel like we're in this together. We get to talk about that person or we get to complain without any stakes because like now we're just we're just bonding with each other. And a lot of time, gossip and complaining is really just a search for like, Connection. Do we have do we have connection. a connection here? Are right. we on the same team? Are we do we see this this thing that it's I'm seeing? It's the easy. It's because it gives you a sense of control, gives you a sense of empowerment. Like I know better, <clears throat> and it's together. Like aren't we on the same page? Like us against them type thing. And yeah. the them could be anything, right? It could be a political party. The them could be the weather. The them could be um, uh, your competitors. It could be anybody. But if we're on the same page, that's a real good level of connection. Are you on my I'm team against here. it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you gotta, you gotta. Re- it's hard because it's tempting. Is yep. all, all. It's crazy tempting because you know if you give into it, you're on the same team. Yep. But you gotta like you, you gotta, you gotta fight that really temp- tempting. Um, enemy because that's what it is it's gonna it's gonna end up stabbing you Love that. <laughs> if you folks uh, out there listening want to get a question in the queue i invite you to uh, find me on instagram ps cummings drop me a dm there's also a button there if you want to email me if you are not on instagram uh let us know what you would like us to chat about in future episodes ben and i will be back shortly to get into our workout which is going to be a conversation around how to develop and grow adaptability We talk about kicking ass into our 90s all the time, and it's important to recognize that in order to do that, we have to be strong enough, long enough to actually kick said ass with enough strength and velocity to matter. Head to TimelineNutrition.com slash excellence to learn how their signature product, MitoPure, can help you do just that. MitoPure is the first nutrient clinically proven to trigger a crucial recycling process within our cells called metophagy, which fights age-related cellular decline by preventing the accumulation of dysfunctional mitochondria. And let me tell you, I am dysfunctional enough, so I'll take any help I can get from the mitochondria on up. Timeline Nutrition has three different products, a powder mix that's great in smoothies or juices, a whey protein powder, and soft gels for quick and easy access 
They are offering 10% off your first order of MitoPure. Just head to TimelineNutrition.com slash excellence and use the code excellence. Again, for those in the back, T-I-M-E-L-I-N-E-N-U-T-R-I-T-I-O-N.com slash excellence. All right, we are back with our workout We are going to get a question from Daniel. He asks a very simple question. How do you develop and grow adaptability? And maybe start with like, what do you, when you hear that word adaptability, like what, like what, what do you, what do you think about or what pops into your mind when you think of that idea? I think it's exactly the right, hundred percent the right place to start. Um, Adaptability is the ability to um, respond slash adjust to changing conditions, Mm -hmm. circumstances, environment things, right? That's what it is. It's your ability to deal and adjust with changes. Yep. That's I what love it. that you brought those two parts, respond and adjust. Yes. I think it's interesting. Yep. yep. Okay, good. Um, okay. So uh, this could show up as an athlete in competition, right? Um, you thought that you were going to have a really strong running attack and they're stifling it. So now you have to go to a passing game. You um, were planning on pl- uh, facing a zone defense. They're playing man to one. Playing you one-on-one, how do you respond to that? Um, You are down by 20 at halftime. You didn't expect that to be the Mm -hmm. case. How are you going to respond? It's now um, time to run the marathon and you've been training all winter. This is really poignant with a marathon in Boston come up next week. And you've been training in 20 degrees and marathon day, it's 85. How do you respond? That's adaptability. Okay. Let's do the the, the cliche quote um, as... Uh, I think it was Darwin said, it's not the strongest or the most intelligent that survives, but the most adaptable to change. Mm-hmm. That's so like, this is the guy that studied like, um, you know, origin of species. Like mm-hmm. how do, how do like organisms create and evolve and survive? It is not the strongest or the smartest, but the best that can adapt to its changing environments. Mm-hmm. Holy crap. There's also another one that um, um, from a, a more recent um, Richard Branson, mm-hmm. Virgin, you know, Virgin Everything yep. records. Oh, records are probably gone now. <laughs> Is that still a thing? I don't know the Virgin Airlines, yep. you know, everything else, cruises. <coughs> um, you know, the guy that like skydives out of hot air balloons and kite surfs and goes over Niagara Falls in a barrel. Like, I don't know if he's done that, but it seems like that kind he of probably guy. Has. Okay. Um, his saying is, um, every success story, I'm going to probably butcher this, but every success story is essentially a tale of, uh, um, adaptability and ability to, um, change on the fly. Mm-hmm. That's it. Like if you want to be successful, that's what you have to be able to do. Okay. Let's do my take, which is, um, and this isn't my take, but it's something I, I talk about with our team all the time is the only constant, this is like a level of like, the only constant is change. Like no, there's nothing else in the world. There's nothing else in the world, in the universe that has remained constant. Stars are born and die and explode and the earth wasn't even here before. And then the earth was this thing of magma. And then it was this frozen ball. And it was one, you know, is it Pangea? Is that what's called when it's one singular continent and it breaks apart? Like every single thing in our entire universe is constantly changing. For us to resist that, forget about like like an unwillingness to accept it. Like we have this resistance against change is insanity. Mm-hmm. It is it is literally the opposite of the realistic mindset. You know, we want to be realist. We have to understand that change is at play. We need we need not only to accept that's step number 1. Not only do we need to accept that this is always going to be the case, what else did you think was going to happen? But then roll with the punches, but not only that, like not only accept, not only roll with it, but then play the game. Like it's changing, go change. 
of the Fortune 500 companies, I'm about to make up a stat, <laughs> of the Fortune 500 Thanks companies, yeah, or the Dow Jones Industrial Average, like of the most powerful companies that existed from 100 years ago to now, I'm going to wager a bet it is a very, very, very small percentage of them that are still there. Mm-hmm. I think 100 years ago, it would be things like you know um, steel <coughs> companies and mills and paper factories, and those aren't even you know, in railroads and Mm -hmm. those things aren't even a thing anymore. Mm -hmm. And now it's, we, and the only reason that they're not there is because they failed to adapt to the changes. If those huge, the most powerful companies in the world, right? They're the most powerful companies in the world are gone Mm -hmm. only because they didn't adapt to the changes. There's a great example of that. Not to, not to cut in, but Kodak. Kodak owned photography for years and years and years. And they saw and had access to digital photography almost before anybody else. But the people there didn't want to shift. They didn't want to adapt what had always worked and move it into the future versus what had, what had always worked in the past. And they were, I don't even, I, they're still Kodak, I think exists, but certainly not what it could have been because they'd seen what it was going to be. And they chose the safe path of for sure. The past versus the unknown path of the future. It, it, so, okay, we laid the. I think we laid the groundwork for um, uh, what is adaptability um, and why is it necessary. Um, so then, the listener question was like, how do you how do how you, do you develop and grow? This okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna put word in there, but the skill of adaptability because it feels like that's kind of what we're circling around. Okay, I think that. Uh, it's probably a couple of soft skills and then maybe a hard one. Mm-hmm. Okay. The first one is um, the circle of control, mm-hmm. which we've talked a lot about. Like, do you have control over this changing environment, right? Like AI is coming. Yep. Okay. Like you're not going to be the one that goes like, nope, let's put a stop to that. Yep. We want to keep it the way we are. Are We want it still to be VCRs. Yep. Like, nope, sorry, Netflix, you're not going to be, I don't want you to do your thing. We're going to keep with the, uh, you know, the blockbuster, go on a Friday night, get your pizza and get your VHS to like, you don't have, it's happening, the change. So letting go of your ego, like you might have been phenomenal in this former or even current environments. The environment is changing. You might not be number one, but it doesn't mean you have to give up. You can take a step back to two or three and then work your tail off to get back to being number one. Recognizing that you don't have control or a say in everything, but you do in terms of your effort and where your attention goes. If you just kind of go, nope, we're going to stick to this thing. Well, yeah, you're going to be the the lone blockbuster in Juneau, Alaska mm-hmm. that's still doing its still thing. Rocking. Yeah. Um, so that'd be the first, the, the first one is let go of your ego. With that goes like just this level of when you think of the change, um, are you inherently embracing or resisting it? Mm-hmm. Because if you're like, okay, this is happening, but God, it, it kind of sucks and I wish it was this, like, yeah, it's, you're just not gonna be able to bring everything to the table you could otherwise if you embraced it. Like imagine instead having a meeting with your team going, guys, this is the way the world is going. We're not going to pretend it's not. This is the where we're going to go. And let's have a group of really, a, a really productive discussion with these really smart people in the room on how we can best put our front foot forward in this new direction. Mm-hmm. That's so different than going like, well, guys, this sucks, but um, yeah. you know what? It looks like we're going to have to um, do something about this. Like whether you are embracing or resisting it at a deep fundamental level matters. Mm-hmm. So learn to embrace that change. And if you can bring a certain level of, um, you know, the word that we love to use on this one is a level of curiosity. Mm-hmm. Um, curiosity is always about, you know, it to me, it goes back to that like growth mindset. If you have a growth mindset, it's kind of like, I wonder if, like, I wonder if we can pull this thing off. Mm-hmm. Like, that's so cool as opposed to this fixed mindset of binary pass fails. The I wonder if, it's like kind of David Goggins' mm-hmm. big thing too. It's like, I wonder mm-hmm. what if I could pull this off. 
that is a um there's there's such a level of uh flexibility and freedom in I wonder as opposed to um uh the fear of failure mm-hmm. so bringing a, when change is afoot um whether it's um you've been the only guy in your in your company re, you're the you're the podcast guy in this company mm-hmm. okay w- what goes through your head when things change and we bring in a second podcast guy mm-hmm. in this company mm-hmm. right if you go like what the f- what the hell's going on here? like and you have this level of resistance and now oh they don't think i'm as good as they he, this guy going to steal my job but if you go like whoa i wonder if with this guy what could we really yeah. actually create like that's a really yeah. different paradigm totally different perspective I'm going to interrupt you real quick just because it's funny to me. I think it's Sesame Street. It might be Daniel Tiger. I already like it. Whatever. But, oh my God. Or Daniel Tiger. Yeah. yeah. But I th- it's what it's, you know, obviously I've got a three-year-old. So we watch these and they have this song that's, that's when you're presented with a problem, you, it's this kind of order, order of operations. We say, um, uh, I wonder what if, let's try. Oh and that's my God. the problem you go through to solve the problems. I wonder what if, let's try. Why? Why is that only Sesame Street? I don't know. I'm bringing it out. Like, why are they not teaching that in like, like sophomore year of high school? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um. I, that is not a hyperbole. Like, no. Why are legit. we not teaching that? Like every single kid. Like, okay. Yes, you can name the 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 capital of Kansas. Cool. Can you work through that? Yeah. Can we practice through that? Okay. You know what a right angle is. You know what the Pythagorean theorem is. Okay. Do we know? I wonder, what if? What if? Let's try. Let's try. Seth Godin always says that education should be about should be teaching people how to solve interesting problems. So that's actually the so the hard skill. That's actually the next thing I was going to talk about is like if you again solution oriented mindset, but not only solution oriented mindset, but problem solving is a skill. Mm-hmm. And and isn't that kind of what adaptability is? Exactly. To a degree, right? Right? So, like, so interesting. How you, yeah. How do you do this? Like, yep. I never. I never put those skill, two Working same. on the skill of problems of, of problem solving. So that's probably um, a podcast unto itself. Yeah. But in terms of like, how do you problem solve? Whether it's okay, you list out <clears throat> the actual problems. Can you root the issue? Go back three or four dominoes to make sure you're actually solving the real issue and not solving some symptom of it. Okay. Your foot hurts. You could take a painkiller, but maybe you actually like with a little bit of discovery, you realize that there's a pebble in your shoe mm-hmm. that's been in there for the last six months, and you could probably do do a little bit of something different. So remove the pebble. Like what we want to do is like do a little discover, like problem solving. Like what what is the actual root issue, and then what is the systematic approach we want to get to a new end? Begin with a new end in mind, and what is the step by step process we can use to get there without any big massive hurdles let's make sure we're getting one before the next like sure we all are on the same vision and aligned make sure we've uh, assigned the appropriate roles and responsibilities and we're checking in along the way to hold people accountable in a peer-to-peer fashion there's a whole lot of ways we can work through problem solving um but to me that's what that's a um it's kind of like i wonder mm-hmm. what if let's try but then Let's try something else. Let's try something else. Let's try something else. Let's try something else. And the better you get at that, you know, that build, measure, learn, build, measure, learn algorithm, the let's try can get a little bit because you go like, oh, well, we've tried these well, things. In, in the many past. ways, the the let's try. Okay, I wonder why that didn't work. I it's wonder if we did cycle. exactly. It's back to the top. Back exactly to the top of that right. flywheel. So just just so that I'm tracking, we kind of have like step one is a, an element of awareness that. Everything is changing, mm-hmm. and to pretend it's not or to to resist it on a macro level is uh, well absurd. <laughs> the definition of absurd, right? For real. So then we've got okay. So we we are aware of it, and then we have to accept it to a degree. We have to have the mindset around uh, acceptance versus resistance towards it. And then the third one is when you, which is the third step, at least kind of in our conversation, is one the one that I think everybody jumps to, which is like fix it, solve it, do a thing, change what you're doing. Uh do we skip anything? No, I actually, I don't think people jump to that is what I was going to say. You don't it's think like, so? I think people or just get caught up yeah. in the maze of, mm-hmm. of resisting it. Mm-hmm. And they just like want to like, they want to change it from <clears throat> the change happening. Mm-hmm. So they, they're just caught up in this, like, how do we stop <laughs> this from happening? Yep. Like, okay, we're going to hire another podcast guy. How do you stop us from hiring another podcast guy? <laughs> right. Instead right. of like, yep. how do we make this thing even better? Yep. But- uh, 
Uh, I would say if we're, I don't know if we're skipping something, but maybe not, uh, maybe we could pull on the thread a little bit of it is um, a, a sense of deliberate calmness through the whole thing. Yeah. So if we're sailing across a really calm sea, like everyone's going to have a good time. Like we're, this is, there's nothing really to get excited about. There's also nothing to get scared about. There's no reason for excitement, but there's also no story at the end of this thing because it's just like, but when the seas get really rough, the people with the greatest adapt adaptability get calmer and calmer and Mm. calmer. So let's say you're running an event production company and it's the night before the events (laughs) <laughs> I should just tell the story because it's what's going <laughs> through my head. So we're running uh, an event called the East Coast Championships. Yeah. We rent out the World Trade Center on in the seaport of of, <coughs> Boss, of Boston, um, this massive facility that's crazy expensive. And we have to bring bleachers into this inside thing um, so that fans can watch this CrossFit competition. We're inviting the, the 50 best athletes in the world to compete in. Okay, what happens when tomorrow is the event, the bleachers show up and they don't fit inside the building? Like couldn't get in the door. Yeah. Yep. Okay. You know, that requires a level of adaptability. Here's what doesn't help that. Chaos and and and, um, and freaking out. Yep. It, Blaming. Yeah. Planning. Never. It's it just never getting stressed about a situation makes it better. Mm -hmm. Like from a physiological standpoint, you won't operate as well. So you staying calm and that's, and once you kind of like pop your head up 3000 foot view and go like, yeah, like, of course not. Now it's so much harder that in real time, because let's do it to a scenario that more people can associate with. Um, You're exhausted. You just want to go to bed and your three-year-old is doing their thing. I was thinking kids required demand adaptability. And you just want to go like, you just want, you you just want to like freak out a little bit. It's, you're so frustrated. There's no way to logically explain something to a three-year-old. So you just want to like, like vent. Never does that make the situation better. So can you bring some level of perspective to that present moment and go, no, what this situation actually requires of me right now is for me to go the other direction. I want to go from a five to a 10, but the best thing I can Mm -hmm. do is go from a five to a one. Mm -hmm. When I'm a one, now now the child actually like, Mm -hmm. they're going to reciprocate. It's a a mirror effect. If you get anxious, even if you don't go off, that... You have an energy that's literally coming out of you. There, that's affecting them, and they can feel it. Well, if you go from a five to a one, they go like, "Whoa, what? Why is Dad in Zen mode? This is <laughs> yeah. okay, yeah, Dad." It's like we always want to, as the seas get rougher, the leader gets calmer. Yeah, I love that, uh, and this may be the last bit. Um, but what's what popped in my head there is this concept that I've never really thought about, but but it's kind of we're kind of talking through it today, which is this idea of inner adaptability versus outer adaptability. Mm. We focus so much on trying mm. to change the outer, even if there's a bit of it which is in our control. Mm-hmm. We can kind of uh, we could we could argue right. that we should, we should of course we should be trying to change a situation if it needs to be right. changed. But to your point, I think the first step is can I change? Can I adapt inwardly? Can I take myself from a seven to a two? Right. Because when I'm get to a two, I can better figure out how to get these bleachers in the door. Versus if I but literally like from a physiological people you know I like to talk about this yep. like from a chemical standpoint when you go fight or flight your options close off. Yep. You go tunnel vision, literally tunnel vision. The shapes of your <clears throat> eyes literally change. I say like you have like, they're actually not perfectly round, but they even go more cone shaped to actually literally tunnel vision in. You're literally becoming more closed-minded. Mm. If you want to stay open-minded and look for all the different solutions, you uh, seven do it too. Yep. It's literally the way to do that. And to your point, like just as an example, like imagine like, um, your industry gets disrupted, yep. right? You are you own a huge taxi company, and all of a sudden this Uber thing pops up, right? You own a, ho- a set of hotel chains, and all of a sudden this Airbnb things pops up. A disruptive company, you freaking out does nothing. 
And what to your point, which I love is what we then want to do is go and try and solve the outside thing. Well, let's create a petition. Let's go to the mm-hmm. government. Let's do this thing. Or even let's create our own yep. Uber company. Let's do our own. Let's not, let's, but what we first need to do, and I love you brought awareness first is solve the inside, mm-hmm. solve the inside, seven to a two. And then from there, we'll have even more of a productive approach to any sort of changes that we're experiencing. Very cool. Thank you, Daniel, for that question. Uh, Again, if you want to get questions in the queue, either for our five factors or for these workouts, find me on Instagram, PS Cummings. Ben and I are going to be right back after one more thanks to our sponsors. And we're going to talk about a shout out and then a new 30-day challenge that we are going to undertake. Raise your hand if you want to be more productive and less stressed every day. Raise your other hand if you want to have more energy from sunup to sundown. And if you're driving right now and both your hands are up, I need you to make better life decisions. Here's a good life decision. Point your internet machine to landkind.health and check out the first and only sustainably engineered solidricide supplement. What the heck is solidricide? Well, it's a naturally occurring bioactive compound that's been linked to a wide range of health benefits, including anti-aging, anti-fatigue, and central nervous system activity. Landkind's clinically proven pure solidricide activates pathways in the power centers of your cell so you can naturally produce more energy, which is different than most conventional stimulants, which basically just trick your body's receptors into recognizing false energy and leads to overtaxing of your internal systems. It works quickly, it works all day, and it lets you avoid standing in line while you wait for the barista to make your drink and call you by a name that is only sort of close to correct. Get yourself 20% off your first order or subscription at landkind.health. Just be sure to use the code excellence at checkout. All right, we are back with our shout out. Our shout out is just when we highlight a comment, a, uh, um, a YouTube comment or a review on Apple Podcasts or a note that Ben and I have received just as a way of saying thank you. This is from Sam. Sam says, I love the work Ben and you are doing. It, is, it has had a big impact on me and my ability to deal with life. How appropriate for this. Recently, I lost half my net worth at a time that my girlfriend and I bought an apartment. However bad it it seemed, I got over it rather quickly and was only uh, concerned about it for a few days, which I attribute to the journey I've embarked since I uh, started listening to you guys on becoming a warrior. So Sam bringing in the perfect segue from a conversation around adaptability. Hell yeah, Sam. Hopefully you got some bit of your net worth back. I uh, I obviously don't know what happened there, but all right. Uh, uh, thank you to Sam. Uh, all right, our cool down, uh, as we've been doing for the last few months, we're going to do a 30 day challenge. This new one, we're going to look at whatever social media app that we use primarily. We're going to see how much time we spend on it on average every day, which you can do in multiple ways. Your phone, iPhones will do it. And the app itself, I believe will now tell you, and we're going to find that number and we're going to cut it in half Mm. every day. Do you have any idea? I know if I had to guess, I know which app you probably use more, but do you have any idea of what your- It's Instagram. Yep. Sames. Um, and uh, the only way I know how to measure this is over the last 10 days and just take the average. Yeah. It actually will tell you in um, in Instagram, it'll say what your daily average is. Oh. So it'll just, I don't know how, what it, what it looks, 30 days. The only way I do it is going to like settings, battery. No, Instagram will now there. do it for you. What do you- where in Instagram? Yeah, if you go into your, like your the main menu, like that's weird that they do that. Like, it's kind of like the but, casino being like, "Hey, you've been in this casino for 15 yeah, I mean, hours." <laughs> it's one of those things that they do it, I think, to placate everybody complaining about it, mm-hmm. knowing that like it's almost like they're a, still giving you the drug, yeah, and it's, it's like not the, it's seeing like the, it's not it's the just cigarettes. Gonna, surgeon General warning yeah, like this exactly it doesn't stop anybody, yeah. but it but it makes them slightly less culpable. I I came across a uh, a statistic re- very recently. I think it was yesterday. That the average person spends, I was, it was yesterday, I was looking up, um, we're going into digital advertising. Mm-hmm. So I was researching it. The average uh, American spends seven hours a day on digital. Yep. On screens. That is crazy. Yeah. Not on screen, not like work screens. No, no, no. no it's I, like that's social yeah, platforms. Yeah. Like that. On social, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, seven Netflix, hours a day. Yep. Yes, yes, yep. exactly. Yep. YouTube, Netflix, yep. those things. <clears throat> That's a That's lot. A lot. Yep. Okay. 
Um, so I looked up mine. I only knew how to do it by the, uh, the last 10 days. Yep. It was three hours and 30 minutes for 10 days, which breaks down to 33 minutes a day. Yep. And that's, oh, got it. So it gave you the cumulative of 10 hours. Got it. So you're about 30. Yep. 33 minutes a day. Yep. And I'm, I'm, I checked uh, Instagram again as mine. And I think I'm at like 57. 57 minutes, minutes a, day? a day. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I only follow like 20 people. I know. So that's like. So it's, inter- you know, it's, it's interesting because. You know, it's easy to to say like, oh, imagine what you like. Anybody will look. I'm I'm guessing you're certainly on the low end. I'm on the lower side. But like, let's just say it's two hours or three hours. Like, it's so easy to say like, oh, what could you accomplish in those three hours? Which is true, but it really like you could you could start a business, you could do all these things in those three hours a day, which again is not not true. But I think the interesting thing about those time ranges is you don't spend thirty minutes looking at Instagram. You spend two minutes looking at Instagram every time you have two minutes that you don't have something else to do. I think I do it in like, I think it might be the exception. You, you actually like sit down. I think that like I sit down. I, you are going to be an exception. I only look You're at, I look at once, maybe twice a day. Yeah. Which is actually another interesting thing in, I think it's the iPhone settings will also tell you how many times a day you pick up your phone. How much times you pick I it up? I was tempted to, to change to that, but I don't know if Android has an easy All right. When to- we're doing this challenge, let's keep, let's keep this, like, let's give people the actual tools of like, cause I have no idea how to do that. Yeah. So in, so again, just I also to, learned yesterday that when you, like, if someone's like, um, if you, someone's like, um, Hey, do you have that thing that Patrick sent you? Mm-hmm. I, I used to go to my text messages and just scroll back yep. forever. <laughs> Did you know that you can actually like click on something and it just shows like the, the attachments? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an idiot. No, you're just the, you're, you know, it's just not what you care about. So you don't use it. But my, my point found that out that, yesterday, my, my point to saying all that was like, at least for me, like 50, what I, what I thought about, I should be very specific. I saw that 57 minutes. I'm like, I'm never on Instagram more than five minutes at a time. Mm. And so it comes down to me or for me to be just recognizing that what, like, when am I, when am I using that? And I pick up the phone 79 times a day or whatever. What, like, that's roughly what it was. It's like, okay, like most of those times, is like I'm waiting for the kid to get out of the bath or mm-hmm. I'm waiting for mm-hmm. the bus to show up and I just yep. pull it out. So it's 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 not like, oh gosh, I've got another hour that I can go do something else with because that's not really how it works. But it's what else, what are what are you missing? What are you hiding from? What are you avoiding by I got five minutes, I'll look at something else. Like what and what happens when you don't immediately res- resort to let me distract myself for these two, three, four, five minutes. And that to me is going to be, that's the challenge for me. And I think that's going to be the interesting part. Yeah. It very, said similar, but maybe just a different spin is, and we've talked about this a fair amount. When you are um, bored, mm-hmm. it's a really attractive distraction. And to your point, you're probably not going to go and start a side hustle. In the three minutes. Yeah. Correct. Yep. But could you sit there and just sit in it? Yeah. Yeah. Could you? Can you just be bored yep. for a little bit, um, and not? Because that's what the. If you change the word bored to something else, it's probably a big part of what being a human is about, mm-hmm. right? Which is, um, we were talking about this before the show, but peace of mind. Yeah. If you're not comfortable with your own mind. There's no way you're going to have peace. Yeah. You have to have comfort before peace. And what people are constantly looking for is, I shouldn't say people, what social media does is distract you away from that ability to just sit there and be pretty cool having a conversation with the coolest person you know. Mm -hmm. That's our challenge. Cut it by 50%. We'll uh, we'll gather again in 30 days. You and I will talk about how that went. Thank you, everybody out there, for listening. Thank you for your ratings and your reviews, and most importantly, for your questions. They help continue. Uh, they help. They let us help. Nope. They let us continue doing the show in the way that we've been doing it, and we appreciate it. So keep them coming. Find me on Instagram, PS Cummings. Drop me a DM. Ben and I will be back next week for another episode of Chasing Excellence.